Hi, I'm Alex Barker and I am the captain of Be More Pirate, which is a book turned global movement of people all over the world who are challenging the status quo in some respect. Um, I'm an author, facilitator, speaker and um, a leader of our community. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us today, Alex. No problem. Pleasure to be here. Okay, so the, 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 the first, I think, obvious question is, um, what does it mean to be more pirate? <laughs> um, that was the question that I was given as a brief by Sam, who is the author of Be More Pirate. Um, when I started working with him, he said, you know, people are really responding to this book, so it's up to you to find out what it really means. And so that's been that's been my ongoing journey, and it's it's fascinating. So being, I think, to boil it down to its essence, being more pirate is about freedom. It's about finding freedom in your life, um, and usually that means challenging something, some norms, some rules, some conventions within your life and work, and recreating something new. The pirate kind of rebellion is is creative. It's about doing things differently and doing things better. Um, so that's the first important part, but there's an awful lot about, um, being a pirate that's about collaboration and, and teamwork and crews and building strong relationships. That's something that's sort of missed out of the pirate legend because we just think of them as these stereotypical baddies, but they are, they were incredibly, um, good at, at working together and figuring out better ways of working together. So that's such a important role that pirates play, especially when I'm working with businesses and teams, um, because we're not all that good at doing it, <laughs> even today. So is it is it really about the individual uh, changing how they do things and who they are? Um, or can it also be something, a, a mantra that can be adopted by an organization, by a company? Yeah, both. Um, I don't think that the, the individual can be separated from the collective. And I think you, it's not either one. Uh, they have to work together. So inevitably, there is all the starting point for most people is a personal one. And I would say usually that the inner rebellion is the hardest and the first rebellion you have to tackle, figuring out where you need to give yourself permission. And quite often it's small things like being able to speak your mind or speak your, speak the truth in a particular situation when you are holding back. Um, so it definitely does start with the individual, but yeah, entire teams do adopt it and think about how does this apply to us as a crew, as a team. Um, and there's always an interplay of the individual and collective. Like you have to look at people's personal motivation to get the best out of people, right? In, in, in working in a team. Um, but you can't, the, the individual can't subsume the whole, you know, that's where toxic leadership kind of comes in. And, and I love, you know, the pirate leadership is brilliant because it's so accountable, they could vote in their leaders and vote them out when they started to take the piss, <laughs> if, if I can uh, swear. Um, so it was it was a recognition of, of people's need to be an individual and to feel their sense of agency and empowerment. But they did that through the collective creation of new rules. So it was like, I, you know, I want my 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 uh, equal say. I want my fair share of the treasure. Um, but. I can't gain more than everybody else at the same time. Is there, so as, as you describe it, I'm almost thinking of, of mob rule, 
Um, is is there like what what are the boundaries there? Are, are there boundaries? When you say mob rule, what do you mean? Well, I mean, you know, you you talk about uh, you know when when people think traditionally of pirates, um, where if the crew doesn't like the captain, they they boot him out. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, right. And and so I, I'm wondering, you know, how you navigate the the idea and philosophy of of being more pirate, and, and you know, how do you navigate that within a, a, a structure? Yeah, of course. Um, I understand. Yeah. So it's it wasn't it wasn't total chaos like that. There was structure. The quartermaster was the equal leadership on a pirate crew. So the quartermaster was like the voice of the crew and a kind of representative for the crew, but it would be done through a democratic vote. It wasn't like we just decide to overthrow. You had to count the votes. You had to, you know, you'd know who's, if there was a chance that you'd get overthrown because you'd know how many people were likely to vote against you. Um, and I think that the backbone of it is the pirate code. So there was a set of articles, rules that were created amongst the crew through consensus, through a democratic vote that would, agree their ways of working together. And, and almost all the um, articles in the pirate code were the same across different crews, things like equal say, equal pay, compensation if you got injured, that sort of thing. Occasional codes had random things like every Sunday we have a band on board or like a music plays or something like that. Um, they're quite interesting when you look at them. But it was, yeah, it was, it was structured and it was ordered. And this idea of pirates being disordered and chaotic and, and rule-breaking rebels is far from the truth. You talk about uh, earlier on, you talked about um, how people were really enjoying the book and trying to figure out, okay, what does this actually mean? Um, I'm really curious if there are any um, examples or stories you, you can tell about, um, you know, whether it's people or organizations sort of adopting portions of or the whole of Be More Pirate and, and how they've seen success. Yeah. Absolutely. So the second book that we wrote was, was a whole series of case studies on that because it, there was so much so much interesting material to capture. And I was always concerned that this wouldn't this would be seen as, seen as a gimmick and that it wouldn't be taken seriously when it was really helping people. So in the book, we've got um, a huge range of people of different organizations. Um, I, I was keen to ensure that there was a sense of how to be pirate inside the Navy. So the idea that if you're working in a big corporate, like we have a case study from Mercedes-Benz, which are just very big and, and corporate and um, a difficult place to make change because there's a hell of a lot of rules. You And especially after the some of the um, scandals within the automotive industry, the sense of being able to be pirate was not, not great. So there was a really amazing and brave team within the UK who decided to create a new marketing strategy. And they really took on board the idea of pirates being networked and collaborative, not just within a crew, but amongst different pirate crews. And this idea that we, we need to work in a more networked way rather than you marketing always by broadcasting from like from our central you know, headquarters and saying, you buy this. It was about building relationships with their customers, proper relationships and saying, how can we serve you better? It's a totally different mindset for them. And I think that was a, that became a really powerful story. Um, it's even kind of uh, evolved during COVID and, and been really valuable for them. But so big ones like Mercedes and within our national healthcare system in the UK, it, it has a, um, a lot of traction because again, it's that sense of like in 
big organizations with lots of risk, um, that's where the change is most needed. But then we've also got, you know, challenger brands and, and smaller organizations who kind of see themselves as pirate. And maybe, and the, the, the usual trajectory is when they start to lose their way because they're growing or because the mission is, is somewhat changing and they need to kind of reclaim their pirate roots. So there's a, a, um, a story right at the beginning about a company called Tradecraft, which is, which were, who pioneered fair trade in the UK and were pirates in the beginning, you know, really had a, a kind of radical mission. But over time, as ethical consumerism has become huge, um, they kind of just, yeah, became subsumed by other companies and, and didn't have um, a commercial edge anymore and didn't really know what, they, what purpose they were serving because fair trade is quite mainstream as a concept. So what was their new mission when it came to fairness? In, in, um, and, you know, and that the book took them there. The book was like a way to reclaim their purpose, ask themselves some difficult questions and find their story again. And yeah, and they've been on this huge sort of ongoing journey since then. That's really interesting. Um, many companies over the past year, year and a half, uh, have been forced to, uh, I think, become more nimble, um, to make decisions or to react quickly rather than, uh, you know, sort of taking their time. Um, you know, the obvious uh, thing that I can think of right now is, you know, how do you navigate a, a workforce uh, that is now mobile rather than all in one office, you know, uh, as people are working remote. Um, you know, with this in mind, and as, as many places around the world are coming out of various stages of lockdown, um, and as we're, uh, you know, embracing being able to go out and going back to the office and back to restaurants and hanging out with family and friends, how would you recommend or what would you recommend to companies to uh, continue being nimble and continue um, embracing uh, the ideology of, of, of be more pirate or the ideology of continuing to improve and thinking of things differently than how they've always thought of things? I would say that in you have to internalize an innovation mindset. Um, it's not something that I think the myth, the myth that you get handed when you start to talk about innovation in companies is that there's a, a sort of a, a silver bullet of some kind, and it's usually technolo technological. And they're like, this will be our, our thing that will make us, you know, cutting edge. And it's, and it's not that. It's a mindset that is embedded within all of your staff about always being able to seek the new terrain and not being afraid to go there. And what, what is it culturally that gives you that sense of permission? Um, and how and what are the behaviors and practices that you embed within your teams that allow them to know that they can do that? And so they're always exploring, they're always in that discovery space, or at least, you know, not, not day to day, but like once a week, there's space for that. And most of the things that come up when I do workshops around um, not just the innovation piece, but, you, you know, talking about communication earlier when everyone's remote and disparate and how important that is in keeping a team together and working in the way that is, you know, effective is, you know, communication. And it's small interventions. It's it's human things that just need to be practiced and implemented um, day by day. And, you know, I've had simple and small things come up every time. Like we need an agendaless meeting every week that isn't like the boring meetings that we always have that drain all of our energy. 
um, that, that is an agendaless meeting where we work out if we're on the same page about the things that are happening in the wider landscape of our sector. Like, let's share the things that we're reading online. Let's have the conversations that we're having with our friends in the pub. Let's bring them into this space and say, did that thing make you feel uncomfortable? Do you know where our company sits on that issue? Does it matter? Um, that's what makes you strong because you're having honest conversations where lots of other companies won't be. Um, and, and yeah, and, and they're not always easy, but they get easier if you practice. And so, yeah, I, I think that that's the, the, the frontier of, of where innovation will be, will be how much you can innovate around behaviors um, and, and not be um, intimidated in a way by the simplicity of it. I think that it's too overlooked that you need to bring it back humanity into some of the working practices that we have. This has been a fascinating discussion, Alex. Thank you so much for this. If, um, if people want to find out more uh, about uh, your organization uh, and what you guys are doing, or even to pick up the, 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 the two books, uh, where would you recommend they go? Pretty much everything is on our website, um, bemorepirate.com. Um, you can find out about um, the books, the, the movement, the community, the workshops we run. The only thing that's not on there at the moment is our podcast, which is quite recent. I haven't created a page for it. So that's on our Instagram mainly. Um, we're on Twitter, Instagram, um, Facebook. So all, all platforms. Alex, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. You're very welcome. Power your advertising. Working with Active International enables you to fund your advertising using your company's own products, assets, or even services. We have over 30 years experience connecting and bringing value to businesses all over the globe, helping many brands scale up into household names. Want to achieve more from your marketing spend? Contact Active International today.